Hi, I'm Evan Duncan, the senior pastor of the Baptist Church of Westchester in Westchester, Pennsylvania. I'm so glad you found our podcast channel. On it, we share our weekly messages, and from time to time, you'll see some other things as well. If you want to learn more about our church or see how you can contact us, visit bcwc.org. Good morning. I'm Evan, the senior pastor here, and welcome. Let me be the next person to welcome you here to worship. I want to read scripture as we begin, starting with Colossians chapter 3, verses 8 through 10. But now you must get rid of all such things, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have stripped off the old self with its practices and have clothed yourself with the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of its creator. In that renewal, there is no longer Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. And a reading from James 1, 19 through 21. You know this, my beloved brothers and sisters, Everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For a man's anger does not bring about the righteousness of God. Therefore, ridding yourselves of all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness in humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. Several years ago, it was a Christmas Eve. And I left the church that I was at in between a schedule of Christmas Eve services. I needed to get coffee or something because the day had been long. And I was on my way back to church, and in front of me was this experience of road rage that I got to observe. There were these two big pickup trucks revving and cutting each other off. They stopped at a light right next to each other, and I could witness the hand gestures that they were sharing to each other through the window. They were not the friendly wave, peace of Christ be with you. But then it was to my joy, as we got to the light to turn into that church, that both of them also got into that lane to turn into the church. I followed them as they parked and watched them get out of their trucks, family in tow. They avoided eye contact as they walked into that same church service together, picked up candles, and sang Silent Night. (laughs) Our feelings in a car are a wonderful example of how we deal with anger often, right? There's something about being behind the wheel that, that makes us maybe more likely to express the anger within us. We have these expectations of how other people should behave, And when those expectations are unmet, I certainly react. (laughs) When what I think should happen is interrupted with somebody doing something that I don't think should happen, my anger can boil. C.S. Lewis once said, how you respond to an interruption is who you actually are. Just let that sit there for a minute. One of the adjustments to, to moving this year to Southeast PA is, is the, the, the way that driving is a little different than we are used to. The car horn is used much more here. Uh, in the South where we were, the car horn was only ever an expression of rage. Now it's just part of communication. 
We're adjusting to that. But where we were in the South, often anger might be not expressed to your face, but um, in the conversations that would happen in other places. Now, this is generalities. This is generalities. Here we find that anger is a little bit more right out there, which I appreciate knowing. See, where we live impacts how we deal with anger. Likely the way that you experienced anger and saw how it was dealt with in your family growing up will impact how you deal with conflict. Good uh, premarital counseling will always try to get couples to figure out how they like to deal with conflict and how their partner's actions communicate things to them that maybe are unintended. See, we are complicated people. This series, we've been looking at these vices and these, verse, these virtues that all come from these right desires that are within us. And there are healthy ways that we can respond, ways that Christ shows us to respond to these desires within us, virtues. And there are unhealthy ways. We have seen, as we saw in the reading in Colossians, that we are called as Christians to take off these old practices and put on the ways of Christ. I'll say again that this is not about salvation, right? As that beautiful hymn illustrated, it said, you know the Lord as Savior, now make Him your Master as well. This is how we as the people of God move from just being rescued by Jesus to now following Jesus in the way that we live. We take off these unhealthy responses and put on the ways of Christ. In the very earliest expressions of the Christian church, baptismal candidates, when they would be baptized in uh, the Western church, they would face west. They would renounce the forces of darkness, and then they would turn their bodies to the east and pledge allegiance to the light of the world. In baptism, they would literally strip off their old clothing and put on new clothes. That's why we use baptismal robes when we baptize people. It's a beautiful symbol of putting on the new way of living, not just some church tradition we don't understand. The way that we live is to mark this new way of life we've been invited into by Christ and empowered by the Spirit to live that way. I would like to live in a way where I respond well when I am angry, wouldn't you? And so today, uh, we're talking about wrath or anger. And so we've got our, our grid we can put up here of our vices and our virtues. We're talking about wrath. And within all of us is this root desire for justice and fairness. And we can respond to that desire for justice and fairness with wrath, an unhealthy way, or with the virtue of gentleness. Say kindness. <coughs> Having toddler twins is a, a walking object lesson in injustice. We don't even have to be in the room to know if one of them has taken the other one's toy. There is a specific cry of injustice. I have been a victim. The little one bellows. And this desire within us is good. See, we've been made in the image of a just and a good God, and we desire justice and fairness in the world. It's even in our children. But when we respond with wrath, Well, that doesn't lead to good. One writer says, wrath is the love of justice perverted into the desire for revenge and the injury of someone else. 
justice is the proclaimed motive for every manifestation of wrath. We can use justice as our cover-up for our acts of wrath. But scripture says the right way to respond to injustice in the world is to live gently and kindly. And I know you may already be angry with that statement. So we're going to see how uh, the scripture writers get there. But first, we've got to understand why wrath is a big deal. And you may ask, wait, doesn't God act in wrath? Don't we see this in the Bible where we talk about the wrath of God? How come God gets to have wrath? Well, yes, God's wrath and human wrath are described differently. For one, God's wrath is never perverted. Our anger, anger can be irrational and reckless. You know this, but God's wrath never described this way. The writer James Ryan Smith, who wrote the book that we're doing the life group on, said God's wrath is mindful, objective, a rational response. It's actually an act of love. God is not indecisive about evil. God is fiercely opposed to the things that destroy his precious people. We want a God to care about justice. We want a God that says, no more. Stop. Stop hurting yourselves and others. As one writer says, I'm unable to commit to any Messiah that won't knock over some tables. Me too. But there's a distinction here, and it's so important that that we can miss when we think about wrath and God. Wrath, though it is God's response to injustice, is not who God is. Smith continues, wrath is not a permanent attribute of God. Love and holiness are part of God's essential nature. But wrath is only contingent upon human sin and evil. If there were no sin, there would be no wrath. See, as Christians, we believe a day is coming when the world will be made right. And in that future, God will never act in wrath. Wrath will go away. Wrath is not an attribute of God. It's a response to injustice. God is love. So God's wrath is a response to injustice out of God's perfect love. And we know a day is coming when there will no longer be injustice or unfairness. As Christians, we celebrate this. Our anger doesn't usually come from such holy places. <laughs> the scripture has a lot to say about anger, and you may say, well, okay, but, but anger can be good, right? Jesus flipped the tables, and, and yes, although anger is never mentioned in that story, there is other accounts of anger and Christ. For one, Jesus was, was angry, it says, at, at the religious leaders who were mad at Jesus for healing someone <laughs> There are other places, like we read in James. Let's read it again, James 1. Uh, But know this, beloved brothers and sisters, be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For a man's anger does not bring about the righteousness of God. Therefore, rid yourself of all filthiness that remains and of wickedness and humility. Receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. James is writing to these early Christians and talking about how they engage with each other as a family. And I love that James doesn't say, hey, never get angry. <laughs> Good luck with that. Instead, be slow about how you respond to it. And that our anger will not produce the right way of being we hope will happen in the world. Only God can do that. So for more clarity, I, I, I want to share this quote from Rebecca DeYoung's book, Littering Vices, that we've been looking at throughout this series. She says, anger 
when it's a holy emotion, has justice as its object, but love as its root. Justice concerns giving another what is due. Good anger fuels our passionate and persistent efforts to make sure others get the respect they deserve, to stand against oppression and tyranny, to hold accountable those who cause injury and damage, to honor our commitments and promises, to give equal treatment to the marginalized, to uphold rightful authority. Motivated by good anger, we hunger and thirst for righteousness appetite that depends on justice as its object, but love as its right expression. That's good. Wrathful anger, show of force often covers up, or it overcompensates for our own perceived weakness or vulnerability, like an animal back into the corner. We get on the defensive and we lash out because we feel threatened. See the difference? Anger isn't necessarily bad. Sometimes things should make us angry. The emotion of anger is not bad like any emotion. But how do we respond? And how can we trust God to bring God's fairness in the end so we might live gently but not passively in response to an unfair world? Writer James says, slow down. Because honestly, when you react quickly, how often do you get it right? <laughs> how sure are you that you've correctly evaluated if the thing that is upsetting you would also upset God <laughs> or not? How sure are we that our response will bring forth the right outcome? Generally, our anger reveals things about what we think we deserve. It says, I know better. I'm more important. My schedule is more valuable. Think about you in the car. When somebody cuts you off and the anger you feel. When you cut someone off. And how, well, I was, I was late. <laughs> it happens to all of us. The American Psychological Association says the underlying message of highly angry people is that things ought to go my way. Any blocking or changing of a plan is an unbearable indignity. We grieve the change of plan, and our anger reacts. Psychologist John and Julie Gottman say our anger shows just above the surface like an iceberg, but beneath it is often fear and grief and shame. Often when we respond in wrath, we reveal problematic assumptions about who we think we really are, how we think we must control everything, what makes us threatened and insecure, how we think less of others. But as Christians, as Christians, we know all of us are made in the image of God, and we know that justice will come. God's justice is always coming, and it is not hopeless. And that doesn't mean that we don't act for liberation now. Of course we do. But we can do it in a way with hope. And with joy, you see, wrath is something that we hold on to. And it poisons us. It poisons our hope, the spirit of our life. We can fight for justice with joy. So what do we do? Colossians 3 continues in 12 and 14. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves, put on compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. 
Bear with one another. Endure with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive above. Clothe yourselves with love, which binds together everything in perfect harmony. And then I want to turn to Ephesians chapter 4. The writer here writing to a Christian community trying to figure out how to navigate their lives. We'll start in 4.25. So then, putting away falsehoods. Again, this don't lie to one another. Putting away falsehoods. Let each of you speak the truth with your neighbor, for we are members of one another. We are members of one another. I love verse 26. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not make room for the devil. Put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander together with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. I love that this passage says, be angry, (laughs) but do not sin. Be angry here is not an imperative. Hey, go be angry about stuff. No, it's an acknowledgement of reality. (laughs) You will get angry. Writing to a community of believers trying to figure out how to be a community together. I have news for you. We're going to get angry at each other sometimes. (laughs) But do not sin. The wise advice says, don't let the sun go down. That is, do not let it fester. Tell the truth. Communicate. Remember that we are members of one another. We might think about how our family of origin impacts how we think about anger. How we deal with anger, how we've seen anger dealt with. We have been given a new family. Imitate God. Walk in love as Christ loved us. What a call. Be kind. Be nice. Listen, the call of Christ is much more than be nice. But it's not less. Be kind to one another. And somehow being kind to one another helps us in our response to justice and and fairness. A desire for justice and fairness. We are tender and we see one another. See each other the way God created us. See the image of God within each other and realize God will bring justice. God also gives grace. One writer says this. I find it so helpful. Now then, is this tenderheartedness the kind of soft, banal ethic that turns Christians into a nice person who slips through a world of hurt barely noticed. No. Not if you see how the writer raises the stakes in chapter 5, verse 1. It is a bold statement, a command really, that rises off the page and into our hearings. Be kind, be tender, be imitators of God. (laughs) 
God, who we most clearly see in Jesus, our example of how to respond to injustice and frustration and road rage and anger, a God who emptied God's self to become human. A Christ who dealt with religious people who wanted to see him dead with patience, who dealt with best friends who abandoned him with forgiveness, who deals with you and me with love. In fact, the writer here is, is doing kind of a play on words. The original word for kind is the word Christos. And then he ties it to Christ, Christos, one later, letter different. When we think about kindness, we think about Christ. And I know that it is impossible for humans to be really like Christ, but with Christ and Christ's spirit, how may it be? I have to admit today, I did not have fun working on these texts this week. I didn't want to preach about this today. I tried to get out of it. This week I learned of somebody who has uh, had a lot of influence on the lives of people I dearly love, who had been living a lie and hurt a lot of people and left a trail of wreckage and did it all in the name of Jesus, and I'm angry. I've asked a lot of questions, and I'm, and, I'm, and I'm sure that God is also angry about this. But I'm not so sure yet how to be kind, and how to be gentle, and how to be tender. I know that they are, and they will face justice, but I'm not sure that I'll ever have the opportunity to interact with this person again. I'm not sure that I need to. So as I wrestled with this, I thought, how, how, what does it look like to put on kindness and gentleness? I realized I think I can at least be aware and kind to, to others who are more burdened or hurt than me. I think in my anger, I wanted to make all of this about me and my feelings and my rage. There's even a risk here of saying anything about it in front of you all, right? Because I'm the one with the microphone. But I have to know that God cares about justice and that God is kind. And I'm called to imitate that. To imitate that with people who need it, people who have been hurt. As Leah talked about with the one who has been hurt by the bully. How can we be kind? This week I came across a song where uh, the writer was wrestling with his own grief and doubt and anger. And the chorus says this, I've tried to run from Jesus I've started holy wars. I've tried the patient waiting and kicking down the door. I've cursed his name in anger and I, with my fist raised to the sky. But in return, all God's ever been is kind. Perhaps, like me, you can see yourselves in one of those pickup trucks pulled up next to somebody and waving all the gestures. Perhaps you can see yourself pulled up next to God doing the same. How does God respond? See Christ, willing to absorb all anger and grief and shame and fear into his own body and show us what love looks like. All he's ever been is kind. Lord, may we put on such kindness. Let us pray. God, I thank you.
that you have given each of us a desire for justice and fairness. And God, I pray that we would seek that justice and fairness not just for ourselves like toddlers might, but for those outside of us. The marginalized and the hurt. And that God, you might take our emotion of anger and transform us. To not be people of wrath, but of kindness and gentleness. To not be people of inaction, but people of powerful, direct, thoughtful, diligent, non-impulsive action of justice in this world. And God, as we turn to take communion together, before we take this bread and cup and remember Your sacrifice, may we let go of wrath we have internalized. May we forgive hurts that are real. May you build unity in your people. And may this community see us as imitators of God. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Baptist Church of Westchester podcast. If you have questions, want to connect, or are looking for ways that you can support God's work at this church, visit bcwc.org. And as you go, through whatever your day may throw at you, I want to share this blessing with you. May the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you in the wilderness, protect you in the storms. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. Go and be the church.